Welcome to Me Teach You. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. And today I'm going to teach you about Henry Rathbone. Very cool. I have no idea who that is. Yes. Okay. So Henry Rathbone was a man who was sitting next to President Abraham Lincoln when he got assassinated and whose life completely went downhill from that point on. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty disturbing <laughs> thing to have happen. It's interesting, though, because I never actually thought about like who is with Lincoln. I don't know that much about American history. But I know that. Yeah. You know? I always just assumed he was like sitting by himself on a balcony. He was with his wife for sure. Yeah. On a balcony. Yeah. He's just has his legs dangling over. Yeah. Kicking. <laughs> la 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 la. He's throwing out some uh, jeers. He's like <laughs> one of the Muppets. You know the ones? Yeah. I totally know the ones. He's like one of the two old men. Yeah. He's like heckling the poor dudes. No. Yeah. No. He was there with another couple. Oh. I had no idea. It's like a double date. So let's talk about Henry. All okay. right. I want to name. I'm gonna call him Henry. I, you know, I was like should come by his first name and his last name. I feel like it's more humanizing unless they have a really cool last name. Yeah. Let's let's be familiar with old let's be, Henry. Let's be very familiar. So Henry Reed Rathbone. Okay. That's a fine middle name. Sure. No complaints. He was born on July 1st, 1837, in Albany, New York. Wow. Pretty nice place. Yeah. He was one of four children and his family was pretty wealthy. Um, his father was a businessman who went on to become the mayor of Albany. Oh, wow. So like that's kind of status. So he's a son of the mayor. Son of the mayor. Exactly. Of Albany. Of Albany. When Henry was eight, his father died. Okay. But he left the family around $200,000, hmm. which was like the 1800s. So that was around. That's like millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So I did the math in a, you know, a calculator online on a website for this mm -hmm. and it's about 6.6 .6 million. Wow. So there was uh, Henry. He had, you know, a single mom now, a widow, four kids. Her name was Pauline. And she actually remarried a couple years later mm. to a man who was named Ira Harris, who also had four children. Oh, wow. Big old family. I know. And his wife actually died the same year as Pauline's husband died. Wow. So it was like this weird coincidence. And yeah. it truly seemed like a coincidence. It didn't seem like of this course. guy killed Because <laughs> originally I was like, <laughs> oh, very convenient. Yeah. So I like how you go straight to that. <laughs> so, I mean, it was kind of like the Brady Bunch. Like four kids from this family and then four kids from that family and they all came together. But unlike the Brady Bunch, Henry began to have a crush on one of his stepsisters who was Ooh. a couple years older than him. Her name was Clara. Did they marry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they went on. They, I mean, how do you feel about this? It's the 1800s. Even nowadays, I feel like it's not that weird. Yeah, I mean, they're not related. They're but not they related. They did grow up together, right? How like he she, was eight? No, no, he no, was 11, eleven when his mom remarried, okay. and she was like either thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was so old that it was creepy. Like she right. wasn't like a sixteen or seventeen year old where he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Borderline, like, what are you doing? I mean, I guess it's kind of weird, but like, eh, I'm not too like they're not related, so whatever. I think the biggest thing was that they both lost their parents, and kind of tr I'm assuming like when they were traumatic ways they were younger yeah. and so they both had this kind of thing you know common yeah i i have studied enough history to like know that like full-on incest was a thing for like a lot of history <laughs> yeah. so anything that's not that is yeah, like whatever not, fine fortunately it's not that yeah so um henry's new stepdad he uh was an important dude he was wealthy and he was later appointed as a U.S. senator. Wow. So you've got this like, you know, well-to-do family now, you know, this merging of minds. Yeah. So Henry and Clara got engaged when they were in their 20s. Okay. But immediately after this, the American Civil War broke out. Oh, talk about buzzkill. Yeah. And so Henry enlisted. And so their engagement was put on hold. 
So before um, he enlisted in the war, Henry was studying law and had briefly worked in a law partnership in his hometown of Albany. I'm sure he was like the big fish there. Like everybody probably knew who he was. Yeah. Uh, he enlisted in the Union Army, which was the <laughs> Northern Army. Well, yeah. I mean, he's from New York. He would have to be like pretty motivated if he had went and enlisted with the Confederates. Yeah, he had to go all the way down. He's like, hey, fellas, I heard what you're, t- you're spouting. Yeah, I, I looked it up, though, because I was like, I don't know much about American history, but I know South bad north good <laughs> and so i was i wrote down note good good army i mean no the good guys the good guys compared the to the ones who were not in sl- on the side of slavery <laughs> yeah absolutely he served as captain in the 12th infantry regiment what there are 12 i guess i mean maybe more yeah wow maybe good for i him. mean who knows 12 of how many and by the end of the war he'd been promoted to major there you go. Does it that's mean pretty good. To you? Because I had to look it up. Yeah, that's a good rank. Do you know Major? Yeah. Are you familiar uh, with Major? Have you heard their work? Yeah, like Major, like from Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, from Ghost in the Shell. Major, okay, so I looked it up, and Major was third in command during a bat- battle, so it's like the vice vice principal. So if the principal died and the vice principal died in battle, then they took over the school. Cool. That's the metaphorically, of course, because they weren't in school. Now, Clara wasn't actually that upset when he joined the army. I mean, maybe initially, but she had noticed that Henry had a lot of anger issues, Mm. bouts of moodiness. You know, he was very, like, argumentative. And so she thought, of course, maybe the army will, you know, get that out of him. Yes. (laughs) Yes, as, as, uh, you know, seeing uh, horrific bloodshed in battle does, it will mellow him out. It will mellow him out. Maybe he'll go out and, you know, kill some people, and then he'll be like, okay, I got that out of my system. I got it out of my system. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right, well. So, as you can imagine. I wonder how that worked out for her. It didn't work out very well. (laughs) It was extremely traumatic. He went through some horrifying stuff. One of those events that he went through, he was at the Battle of Crater, which is part of the Siege of Petersburg, and he was shot through the chest and left for dead for almost three days. Oh, my God. And he couldn't really do anything, but all he could do is he didn't want to be buried alive. He didn't want to be mistaken as a dead body and buried alive, so he had to keep himself conscious for like three days. Can you imagine just laying there? slowly dying i mean it sounds like he willed himself to live so yeah. good on him for that oh that's horrifying yeah i mean i'm assuming he's surrounded by dead people too yeah so that'd be just disturbing as hell so that takes us to april 14th 1865 and what day is that i have no idea that's the day lincoln was assassinated okay so this was about a month before the official end of the civil war Uh, so i mean henry came back maybe it's because he got injured and he like recovered i mean it was so close to the end they're like "Eh, we don't want to put you back out there kid yeah so so uh, why was he watching a play with the president that's a good question so you know how clara's father and henry's stepfather yes their mutual acquaintance uh, he was a, him and his wife's father. Yes, him and his wife's father. His yes, yes. Uh, he was a U.S. senator, ah. and so by association, Clara and Henry got to meet the first family. Mm. And Clara and Mary Todd Lincoln, the first lady, got along super well, I and see. so they actually became really close friends. Mm. But as for this particular event, um, they weren't the first couple that were asked. Oh. They were like not even second fiddle. They weren't even third fiddle. They like went all the way down the list. Yeah. But nobody wanted to come to the play. So they had to settle for a senator's daughter and her husband. Her wounded major husband. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm assuming it wasn't so wounded well, anymore. Well, actually, a, a senator's 
son and daughter <laughs> who are also married. Yeah. The uh, no, no, they're, they're engaged at this point. Right. They hadn't engaged, actually gotten married. Of yeah. They, it was a very long engagement. Right. Because of the whole war. Around 10 p.m., during a moment when the audience was laughing, a young John Wilkes Booth, the stage actor and soon to be murderer, walked into the presidential booth. He was an actor? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't I don't look into him. I don't look into him. That's fine. I know he's not the subject of this. <laughs> I, I mean, he was an actor. Yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know I'm that. I'm sure there's so much more intrigue. I don't know very much American history. I so don't either. This is all pretty much new Matt to me. Matt is Canadian. I am. I was born in the States, but educated in Canada. She's what they call a dual citizen. And in Canada, they don't teach you nothing about nothing. <laughs> they really don't. I don't know any. I didn't learn anything about history. And I took like er- any history? I learned that the Canadians burned down the White House. Yeah. They told us that. And they're like, write that down. <laughs> and I was like, I'll remember it forever. But I mean, I know about this because if you don't, where have you been for 200 years? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> So John Wilkes Booth walked into the presidential booth and shot President Lincoln in the head with a pistol. Gasp. Bang. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Nobody likes that. But did you know he then pulled out a dagger, like a creepy ass engraved dagger? Oh, wow. And uh, Henry tried to grab him. Oh. And he cut Henry <gasps> just just like aggressively from the shoulder to his elbow. Oh, my God. And I won't go into specifics because it's too disgusting. But You're it sure? was horrifying. Oh, my God horrifying truly but henry didn't initially understand that he was really badly hurt right maybe because of the whole shock of the situation yeah started grappling with booth you know booth tried to get away he's like oh grabbed his coattail and then booth fell off the balcony onto the ground and then was able to run outside and escape right meanwhile henry was bleeding everywhere like fucking profusely oh my god his wife was wearing a white satin dress oh jesus and it's like a horror movie oh my god it's like carrie so <laughs> she, no it really is so um there's a letter that clara wrote later and she says poor mrs lincoln all through the dreadful night she would look at me and scream oh my husband's blood my dear husband's blood it was henry's blood not the president but my explanations were pointless because apparently when lincoln got shot in the head there wasn't actually that much blood right it just Right in there. Yeah. Bang. But Henry was just fucking spouting. Gushing blood. But he didn't actually go to a doctor at first. He went with Mary across the street to make sure the president was being like taken care of because he was still alive at that point. Lincoln didn't die to the next morning. So he was like still breathing. And then Henry passed out from lack of blood and they got back up and he kept, you know what I mean? He was just like in and out. Henry is good at surviving (laughs) like bad wounds. I I give him that. That guy's like a cockroach. I know. And then when the doctor finished looking at Lincoln, he's like, what the hell? He's like, I didn't realize how bad your wound was. Yeah. He says, get out of here. I'll treat you. Then anyone should go home and rest. Yeah. So yeah, he does have cockroach powers. Getting badly injured right at the same time that the president gets shot in the head sucks because like Nobody if the cares doctor about you. Yeah, exactly. Nobody the cares. doctors are not looking at you. He could have easily died in that night. Yeah. So the next day, early in the morning, Lincoln died of his wounds. Of course. And the nation began to hear about what had happened and how the man who'd been sitting next to him, who was like, you know, an army dude, didn't stop this from happening. Right. And a lot of words went around, you know, uh, like, why couldn't you have saved him? You know, people like they hear about something, they're like, I would have done something. Yeah. It was like, it's like Facebook nowadays. Yeah. It's like, if I would have been sitting there, I would have just strangled him dead. I would yeah. have had my senses. I would have known he'd come. Like, I got to say, I mean, they should have probably had like guards or something like that. Yeah. 
for sure secret service or of the time they didn't have that the back then though no but i mean if i was at a theater show i wouldn't be paranoid everyone's laughing having fun yeah no exactly and also before, you're there for a good time at the beginning of the theater they recognized the president was there and they all everyone like stood up and clapped and yeah. they played a song and who wants to kill him he's winning the war yeah well, apparently one man does. Yeah. There's another letter that Clara wrote. I mean, her insight into this is probably the most accurate because she's married to him and she saw him in these later days. And she was there. She was there, covered in her husband's blood. Yeah. By the way, she kept the dress. Isn't oh. that horrifying? Yeah, that is she horrifying. She couldn't get, like, throw it away. She was just like... <laughs> well, maybe Imagine they could put it in a museum. I actually don't know where it went, but I'll look into that. They probably burned it. My guess. So from another letter Clara wrote, she said, in every hotel we're in, as soon as people get wind of our presence, we feel ourselves becoming objects of morbid scrutiny. Whenever we were in the dining room, we began to feel like zoo animals. Henry imagines the whispering is more pointed and malicious than it can possibly be. So he really took this hard. He felt a lot of guilt, survival's, survivor's guilt. And I think also he was like, everyone's horrible. They're all looking at me. They all hate me. They know. And to be perfectly honest, they were hounded by reporters. They found out where he lived or where he was staying and just like, what happened? What happened? Why were you? Why didn't mm. you do this? And all that, right? So, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is like third trauma in the last, like, what, 20 years for him. So, two years after this event, Henry and Clara were finally married. Hmm. Well, they were engaged for another two years. Yes, they were. And, you know, that made me Boy, think. they sure dragged they that 30s. out. Huh? Yeah. yeah, they were in like their early 30s, which is crazy to me because whenever I think about the old days, I think about people getting married when they're crazy young. Yeah. But I think because they're rich, I think maybe they had a bit more leeway. Right. Is that possible? Maybe. It was just like, they didn't have kids too, which was probably a big part of it. Mm. They weren't like, we're living in sin, even though I'm assuming they had sex. Well, they were engaged for like 10 years. Well, if they didn't have years. kids, then maybe not. <laughs> oh my God. I guess you're right. <laughs> didn't have a little thing called birth control back then. Oh my gosh. I'm sure there were ways like pulling out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it works. That's the, yep. <laughs> it works sometimes. But yeah, you're, you're probably right. Uh, that's an interesting thing to think about. They had three children of their own. I was in, I was disappointed in they have four children because like they both had four kids from their family and then they only had three and I was like, just one more, Please. Continue the bloodline. So in 1870, Henry resigned from the army, but he really struggled to find work because he was becoming more and more mentally unstable. Mm. He was having a hard time even just like holding down a job. He was guilty. He was being still hounded by the press. Someone would bring up his name and they'd be like, oh, I know who you are. Yeah. That kind of thing. It is a very negative connotation everywhere going around. Poor guy. It is sad you know what this is the kind of thing where like therapy would have helped yeah well i mean and just like people not being so shitty he was well, the victim of a violent crime yes he was he was severely wounded he almost died yeah he like, got victim blamed yeah he got victim blamed but seriously i think this is not and this is not a feature of the time i feel like this might happen today too yeah i think it would happen today this isn't like we've evolved as a society but i do think that if he had therapy it would have helped because it's not like they didn't have money you know what i mean like he just it's depressing so he became extremely paranoid and delusional and he thought people were talking about him and plotting against him and he was convinced that his wife was conspiring with his stepfather and her father, their mutual father, that she would leave him and take the kids. And that was like his whole life. Oof. And if you know anything about like people who have, you know, like triggers and like um, stressors, as they say, for mm -hmm. people who are going through severe mental problems. Yeah. This is one of the big stressors, right? Yeah. I don't think that was actually delusion that her father was trying to get her to leave him. I think that was actually happening. Yeah. <laughs> and for good reason. 
but a few years later her father actually died and so that was kind of like her one supporter confidant right and her like escape plan if she needed one probably exactly henry became a congressman but he started drinking and gambling and going to whorehouses they said whoremongering is there like a better term for that i don't know just um um, bur- there, there's a term for it though in, in the in the old articles it said he was a whoremonger okay which is kind of a fun way to say it sure yeah and clark didn't like that obviously yeah nothing was looking good at this point their kids were all like under 10 right, right? not a good situation but in 1882 henry was appointed as u.s consul to the province of hanover and his family relocated to Germany. Oh. And you think, okay, this could be a good fresh start for them. Yeah. They're in a place where not as many people probably know about what happened. It's a beautiful city. He has a good job. But no, this mm. is where things truly began to go off the rails. Oh, geez. So in Germany, Henry's mental health rapidly declined. From what I read, it said that he spent like an obsessive amount of time reliving that night, mm. going through every single detail in his head, reading old history books of like, you know, the Civil War. Yeah. Reliving those experiences, trying to find new clues. He would just like, and I'm sure he was drinking this time too, right? Yeah. So like just going over it again and again, ruminating. Yeah. And he... God, just reliving all the horrible <laughs> shit that happened. Yes. And he became extremely suspicious and convinced that Clara had been unfaithful to him on that night that Lincoln was assassinated. That doesn't even make sense. I know. And the reason he stated is because she went to Lincoln's aid first, even though he was so seriously wounded. Mm. But to be perfectly honest, nobody knew he was that hurt. Even he didn't know he was that hurt. The doctors didn't know. Like, maybe it was because of his coat. Like, they didn't even know where the blood was coming from, you know? Yeah. I don't... And... I don't know if that's a, but that was his reasoning. Well, he didn't get shot and the other guy did. In the head and yeah. he was down on the floor, not talking, yeah. collapsed. And Henry is going around going, whoa. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but he was not thinking straight, I suppose. No, not at all. Not at all. On December 23rd, 1883, in the morning, Clara found her husband, Henry, lurking outside of his children's room with a gun in his hand. Oh, jeez. And she said, what are you doing? Yeah. And she basically made sure her kids were safe yeah. away from him. And at this point, from what I understand, she didn't actually think he was going to kill anybody. Right. She just thought she didn't want her kids to see their father have another like delusion. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> Ooh, is this story going to have a dark ending? Yeah, it is. Oh, shit. It's really quite disturbing. And so he ended up killing his wife. Oh, Jesus. He shot her. And then he took out a knife and killed her with that which is very disturbing just like lincoln just just like lincoln yeah oh my god and a knife i know it's like he was reliving the whole thing that happened that's super fucked i know it really is and then he turned the knife on himself which is interesting he didn't shoot himself he just turned the knife on himself he stabbed himself in the chest five times yeah and then when one of their staff members came in which i don't i didn't i couldn't get confirmation but from what i understand the nurse was her sister which is also his sister. Right. And she's the one who like, <laughs> which is, yeah. Right. But she's the one who found him afterwards. Oh my God. So he one. like recreated the Lincoln assassination with his wife. And then when she wife. came in, he said, who did this? I don't know who did this. An intruder came in and did this, but she was the one who like got Clara when he yeah. just had the, so like they knew that he did it. Yeah, of course. But he basically all of a sudden was like, I don't know who did it. So they called the cops henry was taken away and his children survived well at least the children survived that is horrifying i know that is is. awful that that poor woman 
I know. She went through a lot too. She was there when she the assassination there. happened. Absolutely. She had it worse. She had to live with an abusive guy who couldn't deal with what happened to him. Yeah, completely. It's really, it's really sad. Like the whole well, thing's a very sad. What a story. disaster for everybody. And so the kids went to America to live with their uncle, and Henry was not charged with murder because they declared him insane. Oh my God. And so he was committed to a German asylum for the criminally insane, and then. He remained there until his death. Wow. In 1911. Wow. What a dark and disturbing uh, uh, history lesson. Yeah. It really is. I didn't know any of that stuff, but it's a very sad story. And I think them being siblings is the least weird part of it. Yeah. That actually is the least weird part of the whole story. Yeah. So that's it. Thank you for teaching me. All right, so now it's my turn, and I am going to teach you, gentle listener, about... Wait, am I the gentle listener? Yes. I'm the I'm the aggressive listener, and y'all out there are gentle listeners. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm going to be teaching you all about Fabergé eggs. Mm, that sounds so delicious. Yeah, so do you know what a Fabergé egg is? From what I understand, it's a jewel-encrusted egg from Russia. Okay, that's actually a pretty good start. That's all I know. Um, so it is more, you, you know, you didn't just guess like, I don't know, it's a chocolate egg or something i wish it was a chocolate egg i honestly feel <laughs> like i heard about fabergé eggs so many times in the 90s for some reason they came up in movies and tv shows a lot yeah but past that knowing they're valuable i yeah, don't know you shit. probably heard the name you know they're valuable but like they were big in pop culture for some time yeah but what are. are they yeah so let's let's learn about them fabergé eggs are, are named so because they were all created by the master craftsman peter carl fabergé are you kidding i didn't know they're named after somebody yes wow yes <laughs> for some reason that blows my mind yes. there was a miss is there a mrs fabergé there was there was a whole family of fabergés <laughs> holy shit little egg family huh yeah, that's right fabergé himself uh he wasn't the one who like handcrafted them entirely himself he oversaw an entire workshop of people who all like it was an entire team of people that built these eggs it was like a but santa's he, workshop he type situation kind of he was like the Santa Claus of making these Easter eggs. He was the Santa Claus pit boss. Yeah. Which, so, so the he made uh, it's estimated like sixty nine and maybe sixty eight or seventy, nice. but like yeah, that's that's how many they think he made. Why did he do this? So the most famous Fabergé eggs are the fifty two Imperial Easter eggs that were commissioned and made for the uh, the Russian. Romanov family, the imperial oh. royal family. Okay. The, so the two Russian Tsars, uh, Alexander the Third and Nicholas the Second, um, were sort of in charge while these eggs were being made. Two people and at the so same time. Every year he would present a <gasps> one of these masterful uh, Easter eggs. Why? Why Easter? Why eggs? This is like the egg tapping thing all over again. <laughs> yeah. Why did they do this? It's always coming back to eggs on this podcast. It all come back to egg. Now, were they czars at a different time? or? Yeah, it... so one was the other one's dad. Aw, father and son. It's typically how monarchy works. Oh, I don't like that. I'm giving you some sass, but... <gasps> don't tell me you're going to give me sass. I know you're giving me <laughs> sass. What do I look like? So, yeah, like I said, the most famous Fabergé eggs were the 52... Uh, imperial I don't Easter understand. eggs. Did they commission them, or did the? Yeah, they were commissioned. Okay, sorry. Did you say that? Yes. <laughs> sorry, I for some reason skipped over that detail, and I was just imagining this weird Santa Claus in his little workshop, <laughs> spending a ton of money. Yeah, being like, like a, I, 
a literal fortune for each egg. And he's like, I think the dudes will like this. Yeah. What do you think? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. So of the 52 Imperial Easter eggs, all but six are now accounted for. And I'll come back to that detail in a little bit. But first, just a a little detail about what the eggs themselves actually are. So these are painstakingly crafted um, eggs that are uh, made with gold, (gasps) diamonds, and all sorts of semi-precious stones. Is it a real egg? Emeralds and pearls. No, it's not a real (laughs) egg. It's like gold leaf and like fine handcrafted inscriptions. Wow. Each, every single one of the eggs had a surprise on the inside. So you- You can open it? It's got a mechanism. You open it up. Holy shit. And everyone has something different inside. That's amazing. Um, Sometimes it would be a little sculpture of a person. Sometimes a portrait. um, Sometimes it had a clock. Sometimes it had a, an automaton, but there was uh, uh, some kind of surprise in every single Is one of the eggs. Is it weird that these still sound delicious to me? No. They really do. I would eat one of these if they did not make your teeth fall out. If you think a Fabergé egg sounds delicious, you may be a dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Things were going great in Russia, you know, well, for the Tsar and his family. Uh, So he was getting these amazing Easter eggs every year, giving out for gifts to his wife and his mom and, you know, between families and their great family heirlooms. Everyone's so rich. They're creating these eggs. And then there was this event in Russia called the Bolshevik Revolution. Okay. I think I saw a Disney movie about this. Yeah. So I won't go into too much detail about the revolution, but let's just give a little spoiler alert to the SARS family being executed. Yeah. Massacred in a basement. Is this the one where their daughter might have escaped? Yeah. That there's a whole sort of like lore that the, one of the daughters, Anastasia escaped. Most likely she was massacred along with her family, but, but, but Meg Ryan voiced her in the movie during this revolution. You know, while the Tsar and his family is being slaughtered, mm-hmm. uh, the Fabergé family decides, well, we need to get the fuck out of this country. Uh, yeah. So they moved to Switzerland okay. where they lived out the rest of their days. Good for them. Um, but they moved there in a pretty big hurry and they did not take any of the eggs with them. Why? Couldn't they take a couple? Is it because they weren't in their workshop? They're all in the palace? Well, they had been given as, you know, How many because they, they were commissioned. How many did they give a year? Is it because there's two stars? Mostly one. Uh, occasionally there'd be a year where it was skipped. And then sometimes there'd be like an extra one commissioned for some sort of event. So was the master, there was the Papa Fabergé. Was he dead by the point when they left? No, but he was old and he died in Switzerland. He was like, I've been making eggs my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think he made, why did this happen? Why did they think, dream to commission these eggs? He was an artisan and this was his uh, craft. Eggs. And he was really, really good at it. So the eggs, all these beautiful um, jewel encrusted just symbols of wealth Mm. were all seized. Eventually Stalin Mm -hmm. became, you know, leader in Russia and or the Soviet Union. I've seen the statue. Yes. (laughs) You know know Stalin from his from the famous statue. So anyways, uh, (laughs) he sold off like the rest of them. To whom? Or most of the rest of them. Or what? Just various um, rich people rich people yeah for money oh yeah money yeah because you need money that's what stalin likes the most Mm, cash u.s currency yeah so the eggs kind of dispersed throughout the world and many of them disappeared some of them never to be found again six of them never to be found again yes if my memory is correct uh actually up until a few years ago it was seven (gasps) but i'll tell that story in just a minute you know i always thought fabergé eggs were extremely um like they were literally eggs underneath and you could crush them if you like 
you know, stepped on the box. Well, I'm sure if you applied enough force, you could crush a Fabergé. You really crush I... almost anything in the whole world with enough force. Yeah. I've seen that YouTube channel with the <laughs> thing. The almost press. everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So who currently owns Fabergé eggs? Uh, so. Let me guess. Elton John. No, I don't think Elton John owns any Fabergé I feel like eggs. he would like one. I'm not going to list everybody, but I'll, I'll notice like most of the, most of the eggs are held by museums. Oh, okay. Um, but there are some private collectors out there. For example, Queen Elizabeth owns three. <gasps> That's uh, so creepy for some reason. A man named Vic- Victor Velsberg, a uh, oh, Russian course. businessman. The Velsberg family fortune. He owns nine, so he's got the largest private collection in the world. I don't like that. Um, and the biggest collection of the world is at the Kremlin Armory in Moscow. If I ever went to Russia, I'd love to see that. But I'm too... Wait, armory? Where there are 10. Are you allowed to go there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're kept like where you can go and look at things. I didn't research the the Kremlin armory enough to know whether (laughs) it's like a museum that you can go look at them or whether they're just being locked up there. That's interesting. I really... Russia is a very weirdly beautiful place. And I would like to go one day if they reverse their stance on LGBTQ matters. Yeah. Truly. And, and a lot of other things, and but especially everything that. everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's get to a fun story. Uh, the story of the third imperial egg. The third egg. So up until the year of 2014, there were seven missing eggs from the collection. You know, I'm impressed that they were able to really keep count of them. Like there's yeah. a lot of precious artwork that is missing yeah. straight up after wars and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And these things, they're pretty small. You know, they're not like giant eggs, the room size or anything. They're like two-bite brownies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So there was a man who is unknown, like his identity identity was never revealed. Okay. Um, But he was a blue-collar worker in the southern United States. Okay, let me get into this mindset. He's like... Kind of guy wears a jean coverall or overalls. You may think that farmers are just robots on farms, but here I am, flesh and blood. I'm a salt of the earth type. Yeah. So here's a, a salt of the earth type. So he's a guy who buys scrap metal or actually he buys like not just metal, but like he buys basically scrap. Does he have like a shitty dragon that only eats scrap metal Pretty much. <laughs> back at his farm? And he resells it to be melted down for core components like gold. Okay. So That's he'll why, buy yeah. like scrap, melt it down for the gold, and then sell like the gold, or sell it to people who want to melt it down. That's an interesting job. He's like a go-between for scrap. Where metal. does the gold come from? What what gold? What scrap metal is gold? Well, in? imagine like you buy like a bunch of old like you know cheap gold-plated mm. uh, uh, watches or something. Lot. Okay, got it. Yeah, like it's not worth that much, but you melt them down, you get a bit of gold you from each other. Skim it at the yeah. top. Okay, got it. So he sees uh, this egg at a flea market. This is not a nice story. He's going to buy it for like 60 bucks and then he's like, it was worth $2 billion. No, he he bought it for $14,000. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's, he sees... That's a pretty good price. Well, I mean, it's got diamonds and yeah. gems in it. That's probably the street price if you took out all the diamonds, yeah. all of the rubies. Street so price. So he sees this thing, you know, it's got gold plating, it's got diamonds and rubies. He's like, wow, that's... I mean, it's a little ostentatious, but sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you fourteen grand for that. So the person is like, well, sold. So he buys it at a flea market. Okay. Um, How the hell did that person flea market his get it? His plan was to just turn around and resell it uh, for make. He wanted to make like a few hundred dollars profit, maybe up to a thousand dollars profit. Well, what low dreams this man has. Yeah. 
Uh, so he took it to a few people. You know, they looked at it. They he bo- took it to Ted. He took it to Bob. Yeah, Ted and Bob. <laughs> they the took out their tools. They scraped some of the no. gold off to make sure that it was, you know, real. Ugh. But they were like, 14000 No, you paid too much for this thing. You got screwed, bozo. Yeah. So he left it sitting in his kitchen on his kitchen table for like three years. And every day he was like, mm, I wonder if I could eat that. $14,000 whole, you know, thing, egg burning a hole in his pocket. It was like the telltale heart. Yeah, was exactly. was always just beating, beating in his kitchen. And then one day he uh, opened up the egg and... Um, just he never opened well, it before. Well, he'd opened it before, but he, he kind of, I guess, had a thought like, hmm, I wonder, I should figure out what this thing actually <laughs> is. Uh, he looked at the name that was written on the inside. He said Fabrigit. And he typed it into Google and all of a sudden came up with like stories about the missing third imperial egg. Oh my God. And so he called, he read an article about the missing egg and the article was like, is the, is the, like this lost treasure sitting on your mantle somewhere? (laughs) And it was like right in front of him on his kitchen table. Uh oh. You know, actually I don't like, I don't dislike this as much as I thought I would. I thought that he would recognize it in the pawn shop and then rip the guy off. No, no, no. You know how they do that? They're like, I bought this for 20 bucks. That's not what this is. Yeah. He was sincerely like offering a fair, what he thought was a fair price. Yeah. And I respect that. So he noticed that the article that he was reading had like a quote by one of the world's biggest like Fabergé researcher experts. Yeah. So he just called that guy. And he goes, excuse me, fella, I'm here on a farm and I want you to take a look at my egg, please. Yeah, pretty much exactly. And uh, I was like, how'd you get this number? So that guy flew out from London to like the literally the middle of nowhere. This was like yeah. 2000... 2014. Okay, so he could have sent a picture at least. He probably did. Uh yeah, but the guy flew out to look at it because you have to examine it in person. Oh no, but I just he was oh initially not, yeah, yeah yeah he's not like just some rando doing a crank call and the guy shows up he's like oh man yeah so the expert came there's a picture that exists you can go and look it up of the the third imperial egg on a, the kitchen table sitting next to a muffin <laughs> that is so surreal so he looked at it and validated that okay this is actually this is the Fabergé egg the oh guy my God. fainted right there <gasps> on his kitchen floor just Are you kidding dropped me? to the floor yeah god damn he was fine though he didn't, he didn't have blood loss from a unknown dagger wound in the arm nope <laughs> so the egg sold for um just under 35 million dollars shit to a private collector you know i don't think the market person would have found out about this hopefully i am sad about the market person yeah i mean i mean if he ugh, it's fine i was it passed you know across a few hands over the years That's and nobody true. bothered to research it yeah, it's true. That just teaches just, you. Yeah, this, you Google. know, if you've got treasure, look it up. And we all have treasure. Let's face it. You might say, okay, well, 35 million, that, that sold for a lot. What would it have sold for if it hadn't, you know, had those scratches on it while it was being oh, examined? Bob. And you know how much the value depreciated by doing that? Literally yeah. nothing whatsoever. <gasps> wow. Because Are you kidding? Fabergé eggs do not get their value from like how pristine they are from how pristine they are or like the value of the gold or the gems on them they get their value literally from the fact that they are Fabergé eggs and like everything that happens to any one of them on along its way to like getting sold is part of like the history and the story of that and they just they're immune to depreciation because they are literally a treasure yeah that exists in the world like they're east they're hidden easter eggs And that if you find one, you become a millionaire. Yeah. So there are six more that are lost. There are six more that are lost. So (laughs) this sort of like bloody mysterious history has given this like mythos to the eggs that and that's why they're so big in pop culture and everywhere Mm -hmm. else, because like it's it's just like 
this long Treasure. storied history with yeah. like tragedy and wealth and mystery all mixed together. So there are six still missing eggs, and I'll give you a list of the the names of those eggs. They have names. Yes. Uh, so the uh, Alexander the Third commemorative egg. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's like the shopping network. They're yeah. like the plates that have like the queen's face on them. One titled Cherub with a Chariot. Now that, that's not just a chariot. That's a thrones. Yeah. I would like that. If anybody, if you find that egg on eBay, give it to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I want that send egg. Send it to us at me teach you. We, we, will, we will validate it and I will be the one who faints on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one called Hen with Sapphire Pendant. Now, actually, I like that one for you. Mm, I think you might you. look good with that egg. One called Mauve. Oh, just Mauve. Uh, one called Necessaire. And finally, the Royal Danish. Oh, I'm sure that's not the food, but it sounds really delicious. It does sound delicious. The most delicious of all <laughs> oh the delicious God. Fabergé eggs. Oh, my Lord. So if you or someone you know knows the location <laughs> of one of those Fabergé <laughs> eggs, please email us at smart at, at meteachyou.com. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Me Teach You. Our show is new, and you may not know this, but the first few weeks are the most important when it comes to getting the word out there. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Leave a review and tell a friend if you think they might like it too. You can connect with us at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you search Me Teach You. That's all one word with the letter U as in university. And of course, if you have any interesting topics that you think we should cover, email us at smart at meteachyou.com.